I must share a word, whether you like it or not, but it's an awakening coming to this area. And I have come to confront religion. I have come to confront racism. I have come to confront perversion with lipstick on it that's just called doing life normal in 2018. And God says he is declaring over this area, and prophetically I am speaking, yet even now. And if you will listen closely, you will see your families rescued. You will see things take place. And I'm reminded of what it says in Joel. We don't talk like this anymore. Eddie was singing about it just a moment ago, and I so honor him because he's a psalmist with the heart of David. But the Bible says this. It says, put on sackcloth, you priest, and mourn well, you who minister before the altar. Come spend the night in sackcloth, you who minister before my God, for the grain offerings and drink offerings are withheld from the house of God. Listen closely. Can I share this? Are you ready for it? Give the Lord a praise offering. Amen. And then I'm reminded of what it goes on to say in Joel chapter 2, verse 17. It says this, let the priest who minister before the Lord weep between the portico and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, Lord. Do not make your inheritance an object of scorn, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? Now, I'm reading some stuff to you, but there's a verse that I'm going to get to in a moment. The Lord spoke to Karen and I. He whispered to us, prepare for him to come into services and transform lives. And then he said, if you'll build the altar, he will provide the fire. I watched yesterday a church in Fort Worth, one-hour services. Where at exactly one hour, the pastor begins to weep and wail and ends up laying on the altar that we gave him as gift. He said to me on the way to service tonight, something has happened. Something has shifted. Why would I share that? God said to us, he will provide the fire and the masses will come watch it burn. And I believe that the eyes of the Lord are roaming. But the problem with the church is we think God wears bifocals. That it's up close like this and other times he has to lean back. I have bifocals. It's called getting old. When I watch ESPN laying down, I got to live. I got to pull it down. Oh, there you go. There's the ball. But God doesn't have bifocals. In fact, the Bible says he's just looking. In 2 Chronicles 16, I just take you on this journey. 16 verse 9. God is always on the alert, constantly on the lookout for people who are totally committed to him. I personally believe that God's reputation is at stake. Whether it's the Hollywood elite who treat us like backwater bigots because we believe he still speaks to us. Whether it's the hipster theologians that preach Jesus before he resurrected, they love the Jesus before the glory. They love the works, but they don't realize that's why he came. He came to die, to be the lamb led to the slaughter. See, I've got to share this, or maybe it's the angry preacher that preaches so angry that everyone doesn't want anything to do with God because somewhere along the way they forgot it's his goodness that draws us to repentance. My goal is to preach this word that burned in me for several weeks, and I'll explain how we got there, but I believe that it's, there's a moment right now where God's reputation is at stake, and he is looking for those that will represent him right. In fact, I believe it is, it is time when the righteous must cry out for the wanderers of the holy ground to, to rise with the holy passion for the children of God to weep and to wail. What do you mean? 
Revival always begins with a death to self and a desire for more. I, I must preach a message of alarm. I, I love what Raven Hill said. He, he made a powerful statement. He said, America needs a Joan of Arc. The British need another Boadicea to wage war on her immorality. Both nations need another Jeremiah to weep over their sins, another John the Baptist to call them to repentance, another Elijah to bring fire down from heaven, and that the multitude may cry out, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. So I want you to understand, if we continue on the path that America is on that our nation is on right now we our grandchildren will grow up in a land that once believed in god but were enlightened by the world to no longer believe that the savior died for all but i've come to declare something the epitaph and i wrote all this on saturday the epitaph for today's church shall never read the once lost now found forgot to give away the truth that delivered them from darkness thus their light no longer burns in a dark world we are coming to confront that there's an awakening of the nobodies there's an awakening of the ones i was asked right before service who is your favorite guys to do church with worship and all that i said the ones nobody knows because they 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 have to rely on him see there's a moment why do you think those guys came up and testified tonight nobody knows their names but watch out they're gonna touch the nations they're gonna walk up and lay hands on people they're gonna cast demons out in his name oh somebody ought to shout and i have come to remind god of his promises what how dare you think you can, my Bible tells me I can remind him, Isaiah 43, 26. Put me in remembrance. Let us contend together. God says, remind me what I promised. He said, tell me. I got up this morning and was headed out the door, and Karen and I locked hands together, and we began to pray, and we reminded God of the promises. And he promised that he would pour out his spirit in Joel chapter 2, verse 28. And afterward, I will pour my spirit out on my, all my people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit. But I am coming to say something to you because this is about to turn into a fun youth conference. And there's nothing wrong with that. I preach those every week, my whole summer. That's what I do. This is deeper. This is deeper. God has brought two people to minister to you during this time that have knows what it's like to have to limp our way through because every time we start to get full of ourselves, he crushes us like an olive to get the anointing all out of us. And you need to understand God's not looking for those that can run the fastest. He's looking for those that can run with a limp called brokenness. He's looking for the ones he can trust with a weight of glory. Are you getting this so far? And there is a stirring in the atmosphere and I want you to begin to pray in the Holy Ghost right now because it's going to get thick. The presence of God's going to begin to the thick and when he comes in in just a moment those of you that have compartmentalized your walk with God saying I can still look at porn I can still do this I can still play the games but I can worship because I look holy he says enough I'm calling you back to me my goodness is drawing you in if you'll come back to me I will set your mind free and your heart free I'll restore you some of you don't even know how to pray more than five minutes but when the spirit of prayer comes on you it's like the first Corinthians 12 gift verse 9 gift of faith when it comes 
comes upon you, you can't do anything. When the gift of faith comes, you just give, give, give. When the, when the gift of prayer comes on you, you just pray, pray, pray. And God says, I'm looking for somebody in this room that is so not caught up in everything the world has to offer that you'll get out of bed and you don't have to look at Instagram. You don't have to look at Facebook. You don't have to look and see if somebody mentioned you or how many likes you got. He said, I'm looking for somebody that can stand up and fall down, stand up and worship me and fall down and cry out to me. God says, I'm looking for somebody that'll say, yet, even now. And we must awaken to his spirit once again. I'm talking about a Samuel awakening where you think it's your stepfather calling your name in the middle of the night three different times, but finally you go and lay down and he says, Samuel, Samuel, and you go, your servant. Oh, I'm going to use you, Samuel. You abandoned in the house of God, little boy. You've forgotten nobody with perversion and porn going on in the next room with Hophni and Phinehas stealing the money and sleeping with the women. I'm going to raise you up to break the neck of religion, Eli. I'm going to raise you up to stand because you were willing to keep the, light, the lamp of God burning night and day. He said, I'm looking for somebody that I can interrupt your sleep. And there's an awakening coming. It's Ephesians 5.14. It's awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. Listen, I must confront a spirit in the church called unfaithfulness because we have to ask ourselves, do we think God is Hosea or Hosanna? Is he just going to keep going and getting the prostitute off the block? Or are we going to say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord? And you have to understand, shall we be the ones that somehow lost our identities because Christian culture in conjunction with marketing coaches and staging pros determined that the presence of God wasn't enough to transform the hurting into the healed, the weary into the rested, and the addicted into the free, and the lost into the found. He is waiting on you and I to come back to him. He's waiting on you and I to not get to a place where we treat each service as a litmus test for you to determine whether or not God was good. You say, this is too harsh. I know. I'll go back to doing Selah. But he told me to come and share this with this house because the anointing that built this flat platform will not take it to the next level. There's a new anointing here. There's a new dispensation. There's a new wineskin. And the prayer spirit that is on this house has got to awaken. You can't go back to normal. If you go back to normal, this will get stale. If you go back to normal, they'll put roadblocks in the front of the driveway here and say no longer in business. If you go back to normal, once the kiss of God comes, if you walk away from it, you need to understand. Once his presence hovers over a place, but he decides to keep going, he'll go and find a backwater nobody where everybody is sitting back there just waiting. I'll prove it to you in a moment. He'll show up on an island on the west coast of Scotland. And some of you come in and you feel the presence of God. Can I just say it? The anointing of God, just because you get Holy Ghost goosebumps. The anointing of God is not his approval on your life. It's his promise. It's saying, come into me, draw near to me. I'll draw. Oh, I got to finish preaching this. I'm sorry. I'll get, I'll get caught up. It's brand new. The Lord just gave it to me. I did not want to preach it. I told my wife over and over, this will not be received correctly. But this is what God says for this house. Yet even now. He's waiting on you to go past the naysayers and the doubters and go past the professional church facilitators into the arms of a savior. My fear is that we're going to lose the next generation. 
And we're one generation away from the extinction of Pentecost. And just as Joshua 24 says, as for me and my house, but if you go down three generations, his grandchildren, Judges 2.10, says a whole generation grew up that knew neither God nor what he had done for Israel because the first generation has relationship, the second generation has, has religion, and the third generation has rebellion. And God's saying, you are on the verge of the extinction of a move of the Spirit in, in America because we have gotten to a place where we really don't need him to, to move because if he moves, it's just going to get dirty because deliverance is messy and we don't really like that so we'd rather be a plastic surgery hospital an emergency room don't bring people in here that need to get free if they need to get free don't yeah that's cute up there eddie those stories are awesome but don't mess with us because we have gotten so good at hibernating our holiness and we have gotten so good at putting the sin on the back shelf of our family that our kids don't even know what it's like to really get free because if they get free we're gonna have to get honest about what grandpa did if they get free we're gonna have to break some curses they get free we might have to call our family to a holy past if they get free we might have to start anointing our family if we get free, I might have to lay hands on my kids like, like you were saying your mama used to play hands on you in the middle of the night. This is offensive to me to preach something like this. But what if God breaks out over the next few minutes? What if his spirit hovers? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. This is so intense. The church must never have a tombstone, but rather a neon sign lit up in the caverns of darkness, the foggy streets of eternity, the forest of fear, and the oceans of obscurity. Its light should shine brightly, declaring Jesus Christ as Lord. He came to seek and to save that which is lost. That's from rebuilding the altar. But nevertheless, when we are done, he's just beginning. I think God kind of lets us keep doing all of our stuff and playing all of our games. And then when he goes, you done now, you good. It's like sticking a child in a room and saying, when you're done pitching your fit, let me know. And I'll be honest with you. I have grown a bit weary. I'll be honest, wore out with keeping up with how to build an environment that is inviting versus an environment that is encountering. I really have grown weary, and I'm going to say some things that's going to bother you, I can guarantee you, but it was at the end of 2017. It was the week of New Year's, and our kids were home visiting, and everybody went to get coffee, and Karen and I decided to go for a ride because we're just praying through 2018, and we crossed a bridge, and right when we crossed the bridge, all of a sudden, our phone rang, and Pastor John Kilpatrick called us, and I talked to him, as a matter of fact, on Saturday while I was writing this for about an hour, and and. And, and he said to me, he said, he, he said to Karen and I, he said, the problem with the church is we don't really like to see past the natural. We don't believe in seeing the supernatural. We want everything to be set up. He said, but the interruption is coming. And I said, okay, that's cool, Pastor. Thank you. And then all of a sudden, an hour later, or five minutes later, excuse me, we get an email from one of our intercessors that said, get ready. There's an, inter there's a, there's an interruption coming. I didn't know that it would mean we would have an outbreak of God in Mobile, Alabama, outbreak in Wisconsin, outbreak in North Carolina. I didn't understand all that because I'm so ADD when it comes to my calendar. I don't like to be interrupted i'm like let's keep it perfect let's keep it pure but then again reinhardt bunky did tell me years ago pat you would have revival if your calendar didn't get in the way and so there's a moment where you've got to realize that god is saying yet even now are you getting this so far and on january the 28th we were ministering in a place called sarah land alabama and all of a sudden we're in sarah land 
And God poured out his spirit in this place. It's, in, it's near Mobile, Alabama. And the glory of God came, and, and, and it was powerful. And we were getting ready for service that Sunday night. And, and I got on the phone with Emily Epperson. Emily is a very pure woman of God. She was with Pastor Steve Hill for many years before he went to heaven. And now she runs our ministry. She's also a brilliant attorney. And I called. she called me about something, and I said, Emily, what is God saying to you? And she said, I keep hearing the Lord say, yet even now. I didn't understand it, but it, something ran over me like lightning when she said it. So then all of a sudden I turned to Joel. Now remember, we've read, we've read Joel 1. Let the priest lie between the door, post and thresholds and cry out to God. But then there's a verse. Then we went all the way up to Joel 2.17 just a moment ago. But look at the verse that proceeds right in the very middle, the Oreo, the white in the Oreo. Here it comes. It's what you're really trying to get to when you cook, when you eat Oreos. Are you ready? This is what it says right here. Yet even now, I immediately, it was the, it's the only time it says it in the Bible. Yet even, and this is, I can't get it out of my spirit. He's saying over, over Newton, North Carolina, over Hickory, over this whole area, yet even now. I don't know why he's saying it. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Rend your heart, not your garments. Return to the Lord, your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love, and he relents from sending, from sending calamity. I'm like, Lord, why are you speaking this to us? We don't understand. I believe that Joel chapter 2 verse 12 is what gets us ready for Joel chapter 2 verse 28. In the last days I will pour my spirit out on all flesh. You got to have this. Then your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old man will dream dreams. Your young man will see visions. And even upon my handmaiden I'll pour out my glory. Until we rent our hearts. I'm going to get in that in a minute. Until we return to him. God says watch what I can do. Is it okay if I preach something like this? This isn't. It's not even tied to a really cool Bible storyline. I mean, I could have preached about Shama. I could have preached about, you can't get the sword out of my hand. I can't. No. No. And can I just say something? When we're standing in the lobby waiting on the doors to open, would somebody be bold enough to begin to pray on the Holy Ghost out there out loud and lead a movement? Because if we want God to break out in this church, it's going to take that. And God is saying, yet even now, I have chosen this house. For, am I the only one that believes it? I wish somebody would pray in the spirit out loud. But see, God always starts with a, whif with a whisper. And he's been whispering to us, get ready. He's been saying it's coming. And the Bible says... In Matthew, what I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight, what is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. If a well-known doctor can stop and text me at 4 o'clock to say this is different, you need to know what's happening in North Carolina is different. Can you hear the whisper? He's whispering. Tell you right now. I heard the whisper when I was 16 when he said, get out of your bed. I'm about to walk into your bedroom. And I had nothing to do with God. And I said, if you're real, you got to come into my room. And at 3 a.m., he walked into my bedroom. I heard the whisper when the Spirit of the Lord 
told us on the same weekend, I'm in Memphis, Karen's at home, it's the weekend of 9-11, I'm stuck, I can't get out of Memphis because of the airports being shut down. And the Lord said to Karen and I both at the same time, go to China, your daughter's waiting on you. I've heard the whispers so many times. Heard the whisper in the floor of a move of God in Phoenix, Arizona when the Lord said, I'm raising up weeping lions and roaring lambs and I didn't understand it. He said, no more protecting pride rock. I'm looking for those that can weep for the sound of the roaring of the lamb. The wicked run away, but the righteous are bold as lions. I've heard the whisper so many times, I can't even explain it. And if you try to declare it publicly at the wrong time, it'll just, it'll get you in trouble. I've heard the whisper. I've heard the whisper when I've walked into churches and God says, the person on stage is in moral failure. What do you want me to do about it, Lord? Be there to pick them up when they fall down because the church is going to throw them away. And I've walked up to that particular leader, whoever it was, and said, the next few weeks I want you to know my phone's on because we all mess up. I've heard the whisper, your son is being pulled into the world. And then we see a demon on the back porch. And then we begin to have prophetic dreams because we have a sleep disorder called revelation. And then we did war. And at 6 a.m. one morning, my son, Nate, who's preaching in, in uh, Frisco, California, right now, tonight at a big conference. But at 6 a.m., my son calls me early in the morning and he goes, Dad, Mom, been up all night I want to commit suicide because I don't think God can deliver me from the stuff that I've stepped into while being recruited for football and deliverance hit the phone I jumped on a flight I flew back home I stopped at James Avery and bought him a new purity ring I ran downstairs where he thought I was going to hit him for the stuff that he had got into and immediately I tackled him and began to kiss him he said not my boy not my boy devil but see, it's the whisper amongst the shouting of culture, the beraying of culture, the noise of the culture, the noise of the pundits. It's the whispers. It's when you ignore the, even the five Ps. I write about the five Ps that's putting identity on a generation and why is God so mad at me? From preachers to pundits to parents to peers, to politicians. The five Ps are defining a generation, but they don't know who my God is. When somebody is about to give an abortion, have an abortion, and God whispers to them, there's a better way. It's the whisper that says, go to sleep, baby. Lock your door. Ignore the arguing. The whisper of God has been in your life for years. It's in the whisper, and my whole ministry can be defined as a whisper. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaimed from the roofs. God began to whisper again. I went through a season where he had stopped whispering because I got so busy. As if God is saying, while my bride sleeps, my warrior's sabbatical from the exhaustion of life and my children weep from weariness, I will visit them. Do you understand? God has the power to change the sleepers into reapers, the orphans into found, the widows into brides, the warriors resting into standing in attention, and the children's weeping into spirit laughter. God says, I'm about to whisper. Can you not hear it? Reminded of a story that Pastor Steve Hill loved to tell. Steve is in heaven now. 
But he used to go to Lindale, Texas, and he would go to Leonard Ravenhill's house. And one time when he went to visit Leonard Ravenhill, he sits down in his study. I prayed in that place. I prayed there last year, and the Lord spoke to me seven times over and over in the floor where Ravenhill would pray from 3 to 7 a.m. in the morning. I kept hearing nations, 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 nations. And so oh, I heard this story from Emily who just went and spent the night at Ravenhill's house to pray. That's our executive director who said to Karen and I, yet even now. And, and she said, she told me this story last night at our house. She said, Pastor Steve, she said her favorite story is Pastor Steve used to go and sit with Leonard Ravenhill. They called him Lynn, and, and Lynn called him Stevie. And he comes into his office one day and sits down. And Lynn is sitting behind the desk where he prays. And Leonard Ravenhill says something, just kind of, Steve couldn't understand it. He said, what did you say? Ravenhill said it again. Steve leaned up and said, what did you say? Ravenhill said it again. He couldn't understand. He got closer. What did he, what did you say? Ravenhill said it again. Before you knew it, he is literally, Ravenhill's lips were at his ear, cheek to cheek. It was awkward. It was out of, it, it, it wasn't normal. He's like, what are you trying to say to me? And he said, Stevie, God has secrets, but he does not shout them. He whispers them. You have to live close enough to God that you can hear the gentle whisper of his voice. The whisper is an invitation. It's James 4, 8. Come near to God. He'll come near to you. It's in the whisper that Moses heard God said, take off your shoes. It's in the whisper, I'm almost done, that Hosea heard God say in Hosea 1-2, when the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, go marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her, for like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. It's in the whisper that in 1 Kings 19, after Elijah planted the altar, then the fire came, then came the rain. But because of Jezebel's taunting, Elijah finds himself hiding in the cave. He battled this. He, he really battled some things Elijah did. And, and he, he ends up in the cave. And then all of a sudden, God begins to pass by. But he was not in the thunder. He was not in the, the fire. He wasn't in a, all, all the different stuff. But the Bible says, and after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in it. And the fire fire the the sound of a low whisper and when Elijah heard it he wrapped his face in the cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave and behold there came a voice to him it said what you doing here Elijah it's the same whisper that David would write in Psalms 51 cast me not away from your presence O Lord here's a murder and adulterer it's the same whisper that Isaiah heard him say in Isaiah 40 that even youth grow tired and weary young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord shall renew their strength. It's in the whisper, the same whisper that Jesus said to the disciples, drop your nets and follow me. It's in the whisper. It's not in the shout. And I've been hearing from, for, for, for the longest time now, for over a month, yet even now. Yet even now, Pat, I wake up in the morning time. And he kept saying, yet, I'm like, oh, I can't turn that into a message. And he said, you're to declare it when I tell you to declare it. And on Saturday night or Saturday afternoon when I was just going to chill and relax to preach on Sunday, then get here on Monday, the Lord said, go to your prayer room. I want you to write a word for Monday night. And I want you to whisper to him, yet even now. Yet even now. 
Yet even now, says the Lord, yet even, I even wrote a blog about it. It's gone wild. In fact, we got a phone call yesterday evening driving home from church and from very well-known ministers had somehow gotten over a hold of my blog yet even now. And for the first time, they left their home in three years and the power of God hit their home and they feel like God can use them again. Somebody say, yet even now, yet even now your children can come back to him. Yet even now your marriage can restore. Yet even now your finances can shift. Yet even now he can restore your mind. Somebody shout, yet even now. It was a whisper at the well when Jesus sat down on Jacob's well. Jacob is the deceiver. He'll always sit on the deceiver. He sat on Jacob's well. And a woman comes up to him, a Samaritan woman, who was so dirty no one would talk to her. She went at the hottest of day when no one went to the well. And Jesus whispered to her, out of my belly shall flow rivers. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty, but whoever drinks the water I give will never indeed the and she became the greatest evangelist evangelist of samaria and you know who samaria was samaria was america they have a sordid past they were half breeds you couldn't count on them to show up for battle at one point they had such a horrible famine in the land in the old testament that they began to eat donkey's head and dove's dung donkey's head represents man's wisdom dove's dung is what's left over after the holy spirit left and then they began to kill their children they wanted to eat their children so samaria samaria was known for the fact that they knew not even what they worshiped they went into the mountains and worshiped but this one woman who was filthy left her pot right there and with a whisper of jesus talking to her in the heat of the day and said woman i can give you something to drink where you'll never thirst again ran into the village and became an on-fire evangelist saying, come and meet the one. Come and meet the one where your, your water never runs dry. See, it always starts as a whisper and it ends in a shout. Tonight, my whisper is ending in a shout where God is saying, rise up. It was a whisper in a cottage with what's called the Hebrides Revival. 1949 to 1952, what is the Hebrides Revival? The Hebrides Revival is in a little cottage. It's off the west coast of Scotland. And two little ladies would gather and they would pray. And they would pray. And God sent a prophetic word to them. And they would pray and they would pray and they will pray and they will pray. How many of you understand that Psalms 34, when the righteous cry out, God hears their voice and he delivers them? But finally, after praying for months and months in their little cottage for the Hebrides to be shaken by God, this little island, all of a sudden God said to them, I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. There's even a, a, a clipping I pulled today that I wanted to read to you. Bring the clipping up. It says, hear the rumbling of heaven's chariot wheels. We will have another night of prayer. They just began to pray. They, it's a prayer revival that broke out on the islands. And they went over to a nearby cottage and about 30 knelt in prayer and began to travail before the Lord. Three o'clock in the morning, God swept in and about a dozen were laid prostrate on the floor and lay there speechless. Something had happened. God had moved into action as he promised. This is, by the way, is by Duncan Campbell, the young evangelist who helped lead it. Revival had come and men and women were going to find deliverance as they felt the cottage that as they as they left the cottage that morning the cottage that morning they found men and women seeking God lights were burning in the homes along the road no one seemed to think of sleep three men were found lying by the roadside in torment of conviction crying out to God to have mercy upon them the spirit of God was moving in action and soon the parish of Bravai was to be stirred from end to end they would pray at night and come together and suddenly as they would come out of their prayer meeting 
meetings, there would be up to 6,000 people standing in the tree lines and the silhouettes shaking under the power of God. They had left the coal mines. They had left the bars. Why? Because it started with a couple of people, two little old ladies who one was basically deaf and the other one was bent over with extreme pain, began to pray for revival to hit the land. Then they sent a letter to a guy named Duncan Campbell. And I'm reminded of one of the prayer meetings. One night they gathered to pray and all of a sudden they get there praying and they're praying and nothing happened for two hours till finally Duncan Campbell, a young evangelist, turns to an old blacksmith and he said, sir, do you mind praying? And all of a sudden the young blacksmith, the old blacksmith stood up and as he stood up, he said something pretty powerful. He prayed a prayer that shook me to my core, and I'm about to close, so get ready. He said, oh, God, your honor is at stake, and I now challenge you to fulfill your covenant engagement and do what you have promised to do. At the minute, the old blacksmith said, the old blacksmith said, God, your honor is at stake. Do what you promised you do. Glory hit the building and went like a lightning, like a blast throughout the island, and people began to fall slain. I have come to declare, God. Your honor's at stake. I'll close. I know this isn't a normal like youth conference message or nothing like that. I'm so done with that. I'm so sick of another recycled grace message. There's nothing good in me but him. And God told me to come and say, I'm just looking if there's one person in here that's supposed to stand up right now and scream yet even now. I don't even know if they're in here. What'd you say? What? Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me. This prophetic word went forth because the people 
God had blessed them, brought them into the holy land. And because they had began to worship pagan idols, God released locusts and locusts. Uh, one locust can lay eggs in, in April, and by June there's 80,000 more locusts. And it had eaten everything. The people were at the end of themselves. I'm going to give you the four absolutes and I'm done. Man, my feet are frozen. What are you doing, God? Yet even now, return. Revelation 2, 4 says, I hold this against you. You've forsaken the love. You had it first. Job 22, if you return to the Almighty, you'll be restored if you remove unrighteousness far from your tent. In a day and age of microwave church and lattes and couches, to create a loitering spirit for the disenfranchised. In a day where we don't dare utter convicting messages. We must be aroused from our slumber. Hebrews 4 says. Let us then approach God's grace with confidence. Fasting, weeping, and mourning, 2 Chronicles 7, 14. Cry aloud and spare not, Isaiah 58, verses, the fasting chapter. But my people who, it says, it's, it's not this kind of fasting I've chosen to loose the oppression. The Lord spoke to us. This is, this is once again the hour in which men will crawl to the altar of repentance and burn with a fire that cannot be extinguished. May eternity say of us, these are the ones who grabbed hold of the horns of the altar. Jeremiah 24, 7, I will give them a new heart. Romans 10, 13, whoever calls the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then it says, rend your hearts, not your garments. It literally means quit. You know, in some cultures, when they really get grieving, they tear their clothes. But see, Jesus, when he was being on trial, the high priest got so angry, he tore his clothes. And that was against the law for the high priest. That's why it says when they gambled for Jesus' clothes at the cross, they could not tear his clothes. He proved he was the high priest. God says, quit tearing your clothes. Tear your heart. Everybody loves Ezekiel 37, Valley of Dry Bones. We all love that. But we don't realize we're, the first thing before that happened was Ezekiel prayed, give me a new heart. Rend your heart to not your garments, the Bible says. I got to close. He's gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love, relenting of evil. Romans 8, 37, nothing can separate me from his love.
von dann. Will we be the ones that answer the door tonight? Because God told me to tell you right before service, he said this to me. And I'm, I'm so careful to say, thus saith the Lord. Because if you say that God says something he doesn't, that's witchcraft. God said, I'm going to walk by the service tonight. And I'm going to see if they're hungry. And if they're not, I'll keep walking. He's been locked as a beggar in the streets. Will we answer the door? Matthew 5, are you hungry? Blessed are they who hunger. Don't let him stay at the door banging. going to show up. How do I know? Because your honor's at stake. I'm done. Generations after generations have slept through the knocking of the door. But he's preparing himself for a bride to lance the door. Song of songs. Look what the Bible says right here. I slept, but my heart was awake when I heard my lover knocking and calling. Open to me, my treasure, my darling, my dove, my perfect one. My head is drenched with dew, my hair with the dampness of the night. The challenge is simple. Does your life, your family, your church, your city, or your nation need an awakening? Calling the, quave, the, the cave dwellers, calling all those that are desperate, calling all those that will say, yet even now, God. Call, calling all the mobile upper rooms, calling the ones that will say, God, use me. Because here's why. At the end of the whisper will eventually be a shout. Revelation 22, 17. The spirit and the bride says, come. And let the one who hears say, Exclamation point. Let the one who is thirsty come and let the one who wishes to take the free gifts of water of life. Yet even now.